0: This episode is dedicated to Muslim run businesses. What does entrepreneurship look like? What is the process of starting a business like for the modern American Muslim? Are there any culture clashes to keep in mind? Our guests sat down with us to talk about what it's like to execute their business ventures, ambition, and entrepreneurial spirit. Salam, listeners. I'm Amina. I'm Lidas. This is Cafe Tanweer.
1: We start with a dua to set the intention that we're here to build knowledge and gain perspective. Bismillah rahman rahim Rabbi sadri wa amri wa min lisani kawli.
0: Sayyid Omar Warsi is the executive director of Book of Muslim, representing global Muslim talent. Omar received his bachelor's in family, consumer, and nutrition sciences at Northern Illinois University and a master's in business administration from Indiana University. He went back to Northern Illinois University to deliver his TED Talk, Cultural Expectations of Masculinity, which has possibly changed the lives of the 658 people who have watched it. You can be one of them. Omar also runs his personal online platforms, Muslim Dad Life, where he focuses on fatherhood and positive Muslim parenting. He also works full-time as the principal at Medina Academy of Madison, where he oversees teaching and learning for K-8th through 8th grade students. You can learn more about Book a Muslim by following Book a Muslim on Instagram and Twitter, as well as visiting their website, bookamuslim.com.
1: Rima Hamade founded Hamado Sweets, a bakery in the southwest suburbs of Chicago, from her own home. She offers a variety of custom cakes, macaroons, and other bite-sized desserts. Outside of her passion for the baking arts, Rima is a full-time speech-language pathologist for public schools in the Chicagoland area, trained at St. Xavier University. You can follow her on Instagram, at Hamado Sweets, to see her amazing designs and learn how to order one of your own.
0: Um, so today, uh, we wanted to explore Muslims in entrepreneurship, what that kind of looks like in this day and age. And so what we'd like to do is have you guys sort of talk about your backgrounds in entrepreneurship, where you're coming from, just to kind of like hear about your experiences and how they differ and how they're similar.
2: My journey. Okay, so I'll, I'm going to start with, I guess, telling you how Hamad sweets started. Um, so Hamad al-Sweets is a dessert business. And, I mean, it started in grad school. I was in grad school for speech-language pathology to get uh, my master's. And um, basically, like, I hated my life because all I did was study and get bullied by my supervisors. And my friends went off to Florida during winter break, and I couldn't go because I had to do an evaluation for school. So I just, like, got online and I looked up KitchenAid mixers and I found them for 50% off. So I got it. And I was like, okay, what can I make that I can only make with a KitchenAid mixer and not by hand? Um, so like macaroons was one of them. Cause it's really hard to like do the egg whites and get them with stiff peaks. So I was like, I'm going to try this. Um, so I would make them and take them to like my friends at school. Um, and one of my friends actually told me, she's like, dude, you can totally sell this stuff. And I'm like, get out of here. Like, you're so dramatic. I'm not going to do that. It's not going to go anywhere. Um, But then after I graduated, everyone had like graduation parties. So I was making, you know, desserts for my friends. Um, And then that's how Hamado Sweets started. Because even when my friend was like, you can, you know, you should sell these. She was thinking of names that I thought, you know, we're just joking around. But then I actually, you know, once like those parties started happening over the summer, um, it kind of just like took off.
3: Omar um, how about you Um my entrepreneurship journey uh if you want to call it that uh started uh I was an undergrad and I was in these leadership positions um as a Muslim student I was on the campus activities board I was like a student liaison to the local masjid and stuff so I did a lot of events and fundraisers and things like that um working with a lot of different groups um and while I was working on the campus activities board, basically there's like these student activities fees that go towards non-academic event planning. And um, it's like millions of dollars. <laughs> um, that's what they use to like bring Drake to campus or um, you know, bring a very prominent author or something like that. So my specific role was um, unity and diversity. Um, so I would do like interfaith stuff or like open mic and try to connect, um, different organizations together to do collaborative work. And I noticed like they had no programming on like Muslims in the past, um, whether it was Ramadan or Eid and there's like a huge international student population. Um, so I started thinking like how, you know, what should I do? And I just ended up bringing like a local MSA uh, representative or like a local masjid representative. And they did like a really horrible jobs. (laughs) I mean, it was pretty embarrassing. And we did like Islam awareness week, uh, typical MSA stuff. And um, I got somebody local from Chicago, like a scholar in training and he was supposed to do Islam one-on-one And one of our MSA, like, uh, general body members had recently become Muslim. And so she had finally come out to her family and her family was like, okay, cool. We'll come to this Islam Awareness thing, Islam Awareness Week uh, events. And they came to this first event called Islam 101. Like, if you've never heard of Islam and Muslims, which was the case for her mom. And she was sitting there in the audience and he, like, started off with, like, not really knowing who his audience was, which was a group of non-Muslims who would never heard anything. So, first thing he says, like, oh, I see a lot of uh, Chicago Hufaz here. Who knows what's the longest ayah in the Quran? And I'm just, like, sitting there, like, you're not even acknowledging the people who, you know... And he, like, was giving out candy, like, we were, like, kindergartners. Like, oh, you got the answer right. And I'm like, oh. like, And I was responsible for that. So... And then time and again, I noticed like this was an issue in the broader Muslim community. You just had the wrong person for the wrong topic. Um, and then the other thing that I noticed was while I was in that position uh, on the campus activities board, um, I got an email to host uh, a very famous person um, for $10,000 who was not Muslim, but like posing to be Muslim and ex-Muslim and had these like, best-selling books person who's been interviewed on CNN, Fox News. And it's like, this is the Muslim speaker. And my supervisor came to me like, hey, we should bring this person over. I'm like, you don't know who this is. (laughs) Like, this would be, you think you're representing Muslims, but you're going to end up not. And so I was like, what if uh, there was a service that could, um, you know, help people identify the right speaker for the right topic, um, but then also promote to Um, universities specifically and that was the start of Book of Muslim as we know today Um, and our focus started with um, colleges and universities with diversity and equity departments and promoting to them say hey these are the list of vetted speakers that we represent and you can book through us.
2: So like do you reach out to the speakers or are they like the people that are going on the website do they get in contact with them directly?
3: So we, we represent the speakers. So speakers have a contract with us and people have different um, types of contracts with us. Some are like, well, if someone goes through your website, we're going to process that gig through you, but I can still do my own thing and book something else uh, on my own. Or if I've had a 10 year relationship with somebody um, and they continue to book me every year, I'm not going to pass that on to you. But if you get me something new, I'd be down for it. there's a one a major scholar that we work with who does like all these Muslim events all year long. And, but for non-Muslim audiences, he asks us to book that. Um, and then there are people who are exclusively with us who if you email them, it'll automatically come to me. Um, okay. Or they'll get it and they'll push it onward to me. Um, and we deal with booking the sp- Person for the event we deal with media inquiries um, for some people we manage their social media we coach them through like what their topics should be and how they should format things so it's it's a lot of marketing and management combined
0: I'm kind of curious because they talk about this quite often and it's one of the biggest deterrents to starting your own kind of initiative and or like actual physical business entity Um, And it's just kind of like the logistical, personal, professional challenges that you sort of meet on the way. A lot of times, like, I mean, I always, (laughs) I'm always like, I would love to start like my own little like coffee shop or like a bookstore or like something like that, you know, but it's never something that I pursue very, very seriously because I'm always like, there's so many deterrents. There's so many like, you know, hurdles that you have to overcome in order to get anywhere like substantial. Like, Let's not even talk like breaking even, you know, like with an actual business. These are all the considerations that you have to kind of think about before you dive into something like that. So I'm kind of curious to know, um, and I feel like I got the sense of this, but when you guys like started, you know, kind of pursuing these interests or these like ideas very seriously, was it something that you kind of like thought about the challenges or were those just challenges that you kind of met like on the way and you were like, okay, what can we do about this next? What can we do about that, you know? So for me, it's
2: a little different just because I like it's through my home. Um, I mean, I've obviously had like, a you know, thoughts about like, what if I open my own bake shop or even like speech clinic, you know, but for me, my biggest worry was like, okay, what if I start this and everyone thinks it's like dumb, but you know, nobody orders. And I just like, I'm embarrassing myself or like, I don't actually know what I'm doing. You know what I mean? Um, but like in regards to like opening a bake shop, I always think about it, but then I'm like, okay, where do I start? So I'm curious, like, how did you start with Book a Muslim? You know, like what are like some of the beginning challenges that you had and how do you overcome them? Like, cause I don't have like a business background. So if I was going to go start, you know, like open up a shop or, you know, make an app or something, I wouldn't even know where to begin.
3: Yeah, I was like, who do I know that has any relevant experience in events or booking anything? Um, And I actually had a cousin who uh, did event management. So she would do like actually do the logistics of anybody trying to put on an event, whether it's a big fundraiser or a wedding or whatever, um, she would do that. And so I noticed that she's done events for like big, uh, notable Muslim organizations. So I approached them. And their response was, "Oh, we've totally been thinking about starting a speakers bureau. Um, we'd love to hire you and make you the manager." And I'm like, "This college student. And I'm like, nah, dude. I thought of this idea, and I'm just looking for direction. Like, you know, if you can help me where to start. Um, and you know, they thought it was a better idea to like just join forces and like start. And." Um, I kind of was really hesitant, but it was like a family member. So I was like really kind of leaning towards, hey, this is a good. And she's a really cool person, probably great to work with. But I wanted full ownership because I had a very specific direction. So that's where I started. Like the first thing you should do is probably if you're thinking of a business or company, uh, starting something. Who do you know in your circle? Who knows somebody that knows somebody that has some expertise in that area. So that's where I started. And then from there it was just a bunch of brainstorming. Um, I looked up business plan templates, like what should I be thinking about? Um, cause I had no idea. <laughs> never, never did it occur to me that I would start a business. Um, and it, I really like it. I'm so lucky that it was able to be done online. Um, So the service is completely online. Um, So I don't have to worry about office space um, or any like major materials, just like my laptop and my cell phone. So I can call people up. And um, the biggest thing for me was like, oh, you have to make, you have to have contracts. Like that's how people work business agreements. And so um, the first thing (laughs) I pitched the whole idea to my dad and my dad's like, Wow, like sounds like a great hobby, you know. Um you should totally definitely continue trying to be a doctor. But yeah, you're definitely going to need a lawyer and I was like I'm broke. Like I grew up it, it was one of those situations where it's like I'm not allowed to get a job right when I'm 16. Um and so in terms of the contract part is when I got help from my dad and my dad loaned me 2000 bucks. A small loan of two thousand dollars uh and i hired a lawyer to uh do uh do some contract paperwork for me um eight years later i was like that was such a waste of money because you can just go online and find like contract templates very easily um and easily protect yourself uh but i was like 20 years old and so i didn't know so like yeah business plan template talk to somebody you know, definitely talk to your closest family, like they may be able to support you. And then you just kind of go from there.
1: Yeah. Do you like scout people or do they, do they, yeah. Do you like ever see somebody speaking or somebody like, like reciting poetry and you're like, Hey, yeah. looking For an
0: agent.
3: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, (laughs) That's how we started. Actually, we went to the ISNA convention and we went on into these random sessions. Obviously I, I, I reach really high. So I contacted like the most well known speakers and I met them and I was like I had this little postcard with it just said salam, bookamuslim dot com. It was so <laughs> lame. I still have it. Um and it was like just a brief description on a computer paper of what we do. Um, and I had this like little folder and I had a bunch of these, uh, little informational things and, and a little Snickers bar attached to it and like, Hey, Assalamualaikum, my name's Omar. you don't know me. And you know, I'm starting this thing and all the big people are like, ah, yeah, I already ha- I have a personal assistant. I'm like, I'm not trying to be a personal assistant. Like, but it's so hard to communicate that in that short amount of time we're just passing people by um so yeah that's that's where we scouted and we found some speakers who weren't as well known and they were the the first few people that we
1: started
4: representing
1: that's awesome you mentioned that like in the beginning people are like yeah okay like mm. whatever cuz you're brand new and i'm sure rima you went through the same thing of just like you're trying to tell people like hey like i'm like a professional baker and they're just like okay and you're just like no look at my amazing cakes like and they're just like that's nice um how how do you go about breaking that barrier to have people like really take you seriously
2: um i think for me it started mostly with like my family ordering from me and it began with that and like and I have like 500 family members um even like when the pandemic started and we were all like the stay-at-home order came out I said that I'm not taking any more orders but like I ended up making like five cakes that month that are all for like my family members birthdays And I'm like where I don't know where this is coming from like I'm totally like 100% in business (laughs) but anyway um so I think like when they would order a cake from me, I felt like it had to be completely perfect. So like the price definitely did not like reflect how much work I put into it because it was all like practice, practice, practice. And like, if you scroll through my Instagram, like my first beginning cakes were definitely not as good as like the ones that I have now. And I still have like more to learn. Um, so I think for me, like to take people to get me seriously was more of just like, somebody had to take a chance on me and I had to like do my best to like prove that it was worth it. Um, and then, you know, I it on Instagram and people see it and things like that. And obviously like word of mouth, like it has to taste good as well. Um, so that was me.
3: Yeah. It's especially when you start out, it's like, people are like, Oh, you know, 80% of businesses fail. It's like, okay, thanks (laughs) for that statistic. Like, Whoa. Uh, (laughs) Uh, you know, I I endured a lot of that and I still do because people are just like, is that one thing that you're doing still happening? Um, and it's like, why are you referencing it that way?
2: You're like, yeah, my job. <laughs> yeah,
3: <laughs> that one. <thing. laughs> and, you know, it's it's like at some point you just um, there's a group of people that understand what you do and they become your client base and your customers and they validate your company if you don't have customers or clients you don't have a company but uh even when I didn't when I had a very small amount of people I like I would just you know do like positive self-talk like you're a boss you have a company you're doing this it matters and um you know and and my wife was my partner in this or is my partner in this and so it really helped to have that like support system we were just like reinforcing each other and we're like dude, this is a big, big business. And uh, what we compared ourselves to were other organizations that were very similar. Like, you've ever heard of uh, TED Talk? They have the Lavin Agency. So they represent that agency, David Lavin, is the owner of the Levin agency. And that's where from that Ted talks was born. So he one day was just sitting around and like was bored and he didn't like going partying and clubbing and stuff. And he's like, you know what? I would really like my favorite author to come and just like read a chapter of his book. And this was like decades ago and he just contacted this guy and somehow he ended up replying and he put on an event and he sold tickets. And that was like his first thing that he booked. Um, and that inspired him to start the lab and agency, and then TED Talks after that. Um, so I take take that information and those stories, and I like I validate myself. <laughs>
2: yeah, I feel like you need to just like have a burst of confidence and just do yeah. it, you know, or just like go talk to someone mm-hmm. and see yeah. if it'll like if it'll go anywhere.
3: What's your like special dessert?
2: Um, I would say people like the macaroons the most, um, macaroons and cakes. I think I make the most, and honestly, I really like, I would rather decorate a cake than bake it. I like the decorating part more than the baking.
0: Macaroons are, are really hard. I remember, um, one time I, I was like, I'm going to try to make these. Um, I was really into them. I, I, I'm, I studied French in, in undergrad and I went to France for a while. Um, and I was like really obsessed with. Um, macaroons and, and I looked at the recipe. I remember looking at the recipe one time and just looking at it, and I was like, "No, I just like, didn't even." It's not almond mm-hmm. flour, and I was like, "No."
2: <laughs> I just, I just yeah, packed. I remember the first time I made them, I was like, "What did I just do?" And I like the the like meringue. I actually made it properly, but I it just like didn't look right because I've never made them before, so I, had, I ended up like, throwing it out. But I mean, in reality, it was actually fine.
3: So, are you into like art? then or like previous from like decorating cakes like were you into drawing or calligraphy or something
2: no if you ask me to draw a picture you're gonna get stick figures (laughs) you know so definitely not into drawing um i don't know like how i became interested in cakes and stuff like i just i just tried it one day and then i kept going you know Mm -hmm. like i watch a lot of like i'll watch videos on instagram or youtube and just see like how people make things. And I'm like, you know what? I can do this. And then I'll try it. And then it'll just be like, you know, practice. But before, like, Hamado sweets, I never, like, sat there. and they're... Actually, that's a lie. I did one time when, like, the revolution started in Syria. I made a cake and I, like, bought fondant and I made yeah, a Syrian flag. Remember. It yeah. was a Syrian flag. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that was an undergrad. Yeah. I mean, it did not look good. So I don't think you want to see it. <laughs> um, it did, it did. Yeah, it so I had like, so some cool. kind of interest in baking and cooking, but like I never had any interest in art or like painting or drawing or anything like that. Wow.
1: Yeah, but you would no. she was always like doing really cool things like we were she lived on campus and she would she was always making these like really interesting things. And, like, I remember talking. I
0: made my roommates like a rainbow cake one time. Yeah, was, like I a big trend that. back then. Yeah. yeah, I'm kind of curious. now. were there ever times when you. I guess like kind of lost that momentum Were there ever times when you were like, is this really like what I want to keep doing here? Is this really a good idea? Um, and then if, if so, like, how did you kind of overcome that? For sure. I've had
2: those moments. Like, let's say, um, if I'm working on something and I'm just having a lot of trouble with it, I'm just like, why am I even doing this? I suck at this. Or like if I'm just somebody, you know, messages me for an order and I really just don't feel like doing it I'm like this is a sign that I just need a break so for me it's like easy because it's all in my hands so I can just you know turn people down take a break um so sometimes I just take like a one week two week break depending on however I feel and then I kind of just need to like get motivated all over again
3: yeah it's definitely tough like especially if you're, I've been doing this full time. So a lot of entrepreneurs start off and they become the first full-time employee. And then you don't have any coworkers. Nobody's telling you what to do, when to do it. So you're waking up late and just hanging out, maybe binging Netflix on a day that you should have been working. Um, And then there's just circumstances, right? That just come about that push your business down or you don't achieve as much as you thought you would based on the trajectory. Like, Oh, we're, we're, we're going to make so much this year and then you end up not. And that's very discouraging when you don't meet those goals, but you have to ask yourself, I had to ask myself, uh, is it because I'm not working hard enough or is it because this is a bad idea? Um, And most of the time I was like, man, I just, I'm, I'm only working two or three days a week. Like I really should get on the game, like really, because this is a good idea and it continues to be a good idea. If I don't do it, someone's going to pick it up and I'm going to end up doing it and become successful at it. So there were definitely a lot of times where I was just like, I should just go back to my nine to five. Because there's a lot of things that come with entrepreneurship that don't aren't there with the nine to five. Um, and most of all, it's that freedom. And that could either really excel you or come to haunt you at the end
2: do you ever like deal with people that kind of just are difficult to deal with or like you have (laughs) like an issue because this happens to me like the minute i have like a hurdle i have to get over or like you know someone's giving me a hard time or something like i just it completely discourages me and then i have like a 10 minute like freak out like i want to quit like forget this (laughs) yeah
3: it it definitely does because i have like the amount of people that I work with, they all have different personalities. So some are super easy to work with. Like, oh yeah, for sure, I'll do that. And other people are like, well, I need to, uh, it, no, this flight cannot have any layovers and I need a five-star hotel. They get like very specific and you know up and detailed about what they want. Some, and a lot of people just go with the flow. So when I get those difficult clients to work with, um, it's just like, man, I just spent so much energy. Like, Got drained out of me for this one yeah. person um and that gets like frustrating um and especially especially like now with with the coronavirus and like we're all just staying inside all my bookings are canceled so I have to get like super creative and I'm like is this worth it should I just like get a degree in computer science in the next eight months and then just like build websites and just be a hermit crab. Um, Not that computer science people are like that. That's just how I imagine myself becoming if I went into that. Um, And that's that's a difficult choice. And it's like right now I'm being forced to get creative and like um, deal with the circumstances and adjust. And there's like every couple of days, I'm just like, should
2: I keep doing this? Yeah. Like, if somebody comes to me with, like, a cake idea that I really want to try, but they're so difficult, like, I have to do, like, a pros and cons kind of thing. Like, it's really cool design. I want to try mm-hmm. it. But, like, are they worth dealing with? You know what I mean?
1: You guys bring up, like, something really interesting. Um, first, while, while Omar was talking about, like, that, about people coming up to him and saying, like, are you still doing that one thing as though it wasn't, like, his, like, job? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> It reminded me of like so I'm a vegetarian and I've been a vegetarian like pretty much my whole life, um, and so like sometimes people will come up to me and they'll be like, "So are you doing that like one like that like you know that vegetarian thing?" Like and it's like, it's been like 25 years, yeah. I'm I'm still yeah. So I thought of that immediately, but then like as the conversation progressed, I realized. Oh, the reason why that never—I never cared about that before—was because that was like my own um, dietary restriction for myself. Nobody else's participation is going to affect that. Um, but when it comes to something like having a business, and I was also—I was also earlier today having a conversation with with my friend about this. Like, as humans, a lot because we're such social creatures. Like, biologic—it's part of our biologic makeup. Um, there. You have no choice but to rely on people at some point or another. Like that's just the way human life works. I know you guys kind of started talking about it. Like, you know, sometimes you have like a difficult client or something like that. But how does that, how does navigating that For yourself work like internally this idea of like i'm relying on this person but like i have my own life and my own vision and my own dreams
3: some days i think i'm like i wish i just had a product so i have to rely on these speakers to accept these gigs and so that i could earn my commission and income um and but if you're baking something or if you're building something and you're selling it you're relying on those customers um anything you do it's just like you just have to realize we're all interdependent Um, and the sooner you realize that the less likely you are to if you're very successful become all self-consumed like I'm this hot shot and um, or if something doesn't work out like oh it's because of my and I get to the point of you have to really tap I really have to tap into my spirituality and be like everything's from Allah and like and sometimes that sounds really cliche and I start sounding like my own mom um, like, you know, you know, just trust in Allah, just trust in Allah. And it's like, it's so true. You have to. It's, it's
4: she was right, <laughs> she was right the whole time. <laughs>
3: um, so yeah, dude, like it's, it's like sometimes business comes from nowhere. Like I didn't do anything. Nobody did anything. It just happened. Like someone came to me and they're like, we have, you know, 40 events this year and we would like to only book with just like what's going on here (laughs) like if this happened five times i'd be set for life you know like um but it just happened that one time and it just came like at the right time exactly at the right time and so you know, trust in Allah subhanahu wa taala. Tap into that um, and understand that. And when I do book a Muslim, it's like it's Muslim related. It's you know, dawah related. Um, and I try to remember that. But then I also feel like that's washing it down a little bit. And I say, no, it's marketing and management. I run a marketing and management company. And you know, especially when I got, ma- I got married at 21. And uh, I just looked very young. I mean, I was young and uh, I looked very young. And then I'd like go to my in-laws and they'd meet, you know, other family members and people like, so what do you do? And I'm just like, um, I have a marketing and management company. And they're like, Oh, company, what's it called? I'm like book a Muslim. And it just sounds so weird. Like book a Muslim just sounds so weird. Um, But for my target Clients like my uh, universities and schools, and like that's my been my focus. And they're actually like 75% of our income comes from universities and colleges, non Muslims. They totally get it. They say, Book a Muslim. Okay, I'm, I'm that's what I was looking. I'm I was looking to book a Muslim. Yeah,
2: <laughs> I like it. it's pretty straightforward.
1: Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah Hamado Sweets is pretty like mm-hmm. self explanatory
0: too. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think maybe we did a bad and everyone was like so in france What's is that, that is that tonight? what it <laughs> was and i was like
3: <laughs> I, i'm not gonna lie it's the first thing that came to my mind when
0: <laughs> I, mean, I was like oh, i wonder uh, <laughs> no i don't want to change it i don't want to change it we're not changing it. But. I want to know where it came from. Yeah. She, we were like writing down names and we were like, what about this? we like, what about this word in Arabic? We definitely knew we wanted to stick with like the cafe aspect of it because like coffee shop and like that environment of just like exchanging ideas is really important to us. That's what we wanted to kind of, you know, manifest here with with like this podcast. And then like is like a, a good, I guess, exemplification of that, like, you know, to enlighten and I really like how, how did you think, like think of that? Was like that play on words is so, so awesome. It was honestly my friend from grad school that thought of
2: it. I don't know, like we were just throwing out ideas. We're like, okay, re or whatever. And then she came up with Hamado Sweets and it was just like perfect. Omar, you know how you talked
1: about how like in undergrad, <laughs> the speaker, like it was just like, you know do you ever have to deal with stuff like that where you have to like think about that person's, um, ideologies and then go, Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. does that happen? It's,
3: um, so we're book a Muslim, right? So any kind of person who identifies as Muslim can approach us and be like, Hey, we want to be on the roster. Um, and you know, we do we do our due diligence in vetting the speaker, and what are the criteria for vetting the speaker? Well, luckily, it's my company, so I can I can decide, like you know, what is and what is inappropriate for the and you know for the audience that we're trying to promote to. And um, you know, some people had an issue with that, so they were like, "Oh, you don't have any this type of speaker, or you don't have any that type of speaker." And I was like, "Well." you know, I had to really explain myself to them. And that was fine. I'm used to like explaining myself to everyone since I was very little, you know, we all have that You know, 9-11 happened and we had to explain who we are to everybody for the rest of our life. And, you know, my dad uh, was part of this group here in Chicago, Y-Islam. And so we used to hang out like pamphlets and like put like flyers and people's windshields in Chicago, like, what is Islam? We also believe in Jesus. And um, so I grew up in that kind of uh, environment where I always had to explain myself. And so it's, so that's one thing, right? You have these speakers who want to be on, but I don't think they would do a good job of representing um, what I want to be represented. Um, And then you have speakers who you think are so awesome. You've been a fan on along and then boom, something happens. They say a really messed up comment, and you you find out their true colors. Or, um, or I was a really huge fan of a speaker, and they were totally down to working with me. And then uh, they were just I just couldn't deal with their personality. So I loved their content, but I couldn't deal with their personality. It was just impossible. Um, so, yeah, that happens. There's so many aspects of that. Like, it's it's a branch, uh, uh, a bunch of different branches of, you know, how difficult it can be.
2: <laughs> so, like, my family always yells at me for being too nice. So, sometimes people will, like, you know, call me or text me or message me about, like, a cake last minute. Or, um, you know, they really want a cake on a day where I'm booked. And I, like, I want to say no. But I also, like, they always say stuff to make you feel bad. Like they over explain themselves and then I just feel bad. <laughs> so then I'll like, I'll obviously complain to my family and they're like, dude, just say no. Like, what's the big deal? And I'm like, but I feel bad. And then they'll yell at me for feeling bad, you know? So I've had to like teach myself to just be like, no, like I'm both too bad. Um, if there's any backlash, like it's not to me. So they're probably talking amongst themselves. So who knows? So that's a big thing I had to like um, teach myself is to just like, just say no. Like you're, I'm not, um like i don't owe anyone anything you know and um i'm not obligated to say yes you know to anyone for anything so um that was a big hurdle but i think i'm, I'm getting it down mm-hmm. like i just had to say no to my my cousin of all people mm-hmm. but i mean my family is obviously more understanding than like other people in the community yeah. that's so
3: bogus though you know your cousins should <laughs> really really come first
2: i know i know <laughs>
0: Um, what was a moment of like actual and absolute gratification um, when it comes to like what you've done, what you're doing? Like, was there a moment where you finished, you completed something like an event or, uh, you know, a, a project, and you know you were like, this is this is it, this is what I wanted to do when I started out.
3: Um, part of uh, what compelled me to start what I do is um, a spoken word poet, and like in undergrad and even in high school. I used to perform poetry or spoken word or rap, whatever you want to call it. Um, And when I got to college in my undergrad years, I used to do performances like open mics and stuff. And when I started this agency, um, I was also pushed to like do uh, paid events for myself. And I felt really like uneasy about that. But when I did it and I met with the right audience that was looking for someone like me, very basic brown boy talking about growing up Muslim in America um, and it really changed their life and they gave me that feedback like oh you know I literally have never met a Muslim person before and I was performing in, like random cities like very small airports I would get there and it was like two gates um, and, and I'd go and do these events and they're like yeah we never met a Muslim person before so I'm like wow I really like doing that so um, I do uh paid speaking engagements and performances myself but i know for a fact like every person on my roster is way better than me so i barely promote myself so i prefer that someone who has like extremely good talent like i want to provide the highest quality Um, and then it's like when when they're not available or something i'll I'll say like i'm available and i'm all right and you know they usually have a good time So that kind of, that really helped me feel like, okay, this is, this is good. I should keep doing that. Um, And then another time, the speaker that I booked the most ever um, decided to cancel like all of their events in like the last two months of the year, one day. And it was like a really large number of events and I had to call everybody and be like, hey, we're, sorry we have to cancel and it was like a big emergency on their part and and it's completely valid like why they had to um but it really shook my faith in like my company i'm like wow this person for this this period of time they were the person that was making the most money for the company and so i'm like so I'm not diversified enough and I could totally go down. If they drop out next year, I could totally lose a huge chunk of my income. And that was very scary. Um, but within a month or two, we like figured out another way. We, we were able to get another handful of clients that helped us kind of get back into the game. And, um, you know, that those are like two instances where I felt
2: that way. I think like, okay, there's like a handful of cakes where I'm like, damn, I can't believe I did that. Um, (laughs) But it's like when people give me feedback, I think that's when I'm like, okay, like, I'm pretty good at this, I guess. Um, There's an event where I had to do 600 macaroons. I was pretty proud of that. Wow. I would say. Mm. Yeah. Um, That was like in when? End of February this year.
1: Wow. That's really Yeah, But then they
2: all had to have like Mm. a black stripe on them and then like gold leaf. So that was like extra. Yeah, that sounds,
0: yeah. I don't know if I yeah. would have taken that job. <laughs> My back was dying, but it was worth it. Um, I guess the question that I really want to ask is how you guys see your business expanding. Is that something that you've put a lot of thought into? Is that something that you're already seeing like happen as a natural result of like it gaining momentum? Um, or is it something that you're actually, like, actively working towards? Do you have, like, a stretch goal that you're like, I need to be here for this? Um, and, like, this is what I want.
3: Yeah, like, specifically for Book of Muslim, um, you know, I, it was, like, only booking Muslim speakers for, like, certain types of events. And then it just naturally kind of grew, you know? Um, so it's exclusively for the college audience and, like, the masjid all across the U.S., Um, In the UK and Canada have like reached out to us just to book people that they haven't hosted before. um, Just browsing through our website. Um, So it's gone from just like a booking agency uh, specifically for non-Muslims to include the Muslim audience as well. Um, People have historically like thought. It was the other way around. Like we book Muslim speakers for Muslim events, um, and then like we plan on, you know, promoting to non-Muslims. But it's actually the opposite. Um, mm. And now we've worked with corporations too. Now, um, uh, Pixar Animation Studios, uh, St. Lauder. a um, lot of big like companies have. Try to put on like they have their diversity and inclusion like departments and conferences and um, they'll reach out to us to put on an event or they'll they're looking for a consultant. Um, We've had people reach out for like consulting on when they're producing a film. uh, They want Muslim representation. Um, And so it's because our SEO is pretty good. uh, Search engine optimization when you search Muslims or something like that, our thing pops up. Um, so kudos to the people who built our website and handled that back end of stuff. Um, and so we definitely see it growing. Like as far as like putting down a strategy, I have some general like, uh, ideas of where I wanted to go. And I'm like a very visual person. So constantly visualizing what it could be. Um, but where I lack is strategy and that's where my wife comes in. She's like a very hardcore strategist, um and so we'll be able to sit together and be like okay hey, this is we have to do these 10 things and we can get to this one big thing um and with with uh with the lockdown and all um and events being canceled we'd have to pivot to virtual events we've never done that before and now i see that being like a really an additional source of income and if we go back to normal virtual virtual events and virtual bookings definitely just on forever um because they can be super engaging and you can sell tickets um you can't put on a really awesome fun event like we're here hanging out having a conversation um i mean you know how often did you get on zoom before right um i actually never had <laughs> like done a video i didn't
2: know it existed
3: right and it's like It it was awkward for a lot of people in the beginning, especially uh, a lot of our clients who put on virtual events, but now they're all, like, getting the hang of it, and it's, like, becoming more and more common. Now people understand, like, what the price points are for speakers. In the beginning, I was like, oh, I don't know. We'll just do stuff. And everybody's doing stuff for free, and everybody's doing the same topic. So one of the challenges of us right now is, like, how do we differentiate and how do we make it super engaging? So we're looking at a couple of different platforms to, um, do ticketed events and like events where you go and then you actually gain something very, uh, you get a really big takeaway, not just some knowledge that you sat and listened to. You can YouTube that, right? You can YouTube the most amazing speakers in the world and just sit there and listen to them, but you don't have access to them. You can't engage in discussion with them. Um, and you don't build a sense of community around that event. You get what I'm saying? Like if we did an event and I had a speaker come in and there was like 12 or 13 people with a similar background or feel like they're trying to achieve the same goal, they can actually become a network um, and then use mentorship from the speaker. And then it could be something more than I just watched a video online, you know. Um, and I've always wanted to be like a media Company more like producing like positive news stories on Muslims and highlighting uh, Muslim talent.
2: Well, I mean, like when I had work, work, um, I obviously like went at a slower pace. But now that um, you know we're at home and there's you know nothing to do, I think like I have more time to experiment and stuff. So I mean, I try to like promote like hamado Sweets as much as I can. But like more in the future. I don't know if I see like a, like a bakery per se, Um, just because I feel like once it's that much work, I might not enjoy it as much because it is very physical. Um, But I'm thinking more along the lines of like farmer's markets, like food truck kind of thing, hopefully, but. You don't want your old reality TV show on TLC? (laughs) Dude, I would embarrass myself so much. Like, I mean, I love TLC, but no. You don't want to be the next cake boss? I don't know if I'm like good enough to be the cake boss. I yeah, think you are, I saw that source cake, yeah. okay. <laughs> like, I think the last the last one time was like, go on the Great British Baking Show or something. I think. <laughs> and I was like, no dude, that's not gonna work.
3: You know, I applied, uh, or I prepared to apply for MasterChef, really? like season nine, because um, just like to cook and like um, the meal that I made was like so disgusting. When we tasted, I'm like, forget it. Like, I'm not even gonna go. Uh, I had a slot. Like, you basically had to prepare a dish and then bring it to to the to the studio, and they would just taste it.
2: Um, wait, wait, but who was judging it? That's important. Uh,
3: I I don't think it would have been the judges from the show. It would have been like oh, some okay. baby judges. Um, that,
1: like scouting stout, type yeah. of people, but like in the culinary world
3: yeah but I think you brought up a good point Rima like you if you get to a point of like opening up a bakery and you get all these orders and you might you might just not enjoy it as much you know you maybe like so you have to as an entrepreneur you have to also like look at your happiness um yeah that's very important um and like family time if that's if you have a family or, uh, other aspects of your aspirations, you know, sometimes we think that the meaning of success is how much revenue your one business made. Um, and that's so untrue. It's so completely untrue. Um,
2: yeah. And I think part of it just depends on like how it develops because then if there is a bakery, it's like, there will be a mm -hmm. staff and, but it just depends on like, how it progresses you know like you're not gonna just open somewhere and have like this big staff that's gonna do most of the work you know um so i don't know we'll see inshallah
1: yeah we actually had a panel of artists um earlier this year and some of them were artists full-time and then some of them did it like as their like quote-unquote side hustle you know some of them were saying like the reason why i didn't make it my full-time job was because i knew that if i turned it into my full-time job um it would stifle my creativity and i would start to hate creating art and everything all the all the things that it is to me Mm. it would no longer be um Mm. whereas other people didn't feel that way right so i think like passion is something that's very individual and everybody needs to discover about themselves needs to go about that process of of learning what the best way for you to be able to like express yourself is and in what capacity it's about i guess knowing knowing where you thrive
2: yeah
0: yeah 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 i agree with that we've had a really great discussion here about like your guys's like personal experiences and where you've come to and and how much you've like put into the work that you do um i'm kind of curious to know like what your thoughts are on like the like the space i guess that muslims have in entrepreneurship do you guys see like more muslims kind of starting their own businesses, because I mean, from, from my point of view, and I'm not talking about like older generations, Zidaf and I were actually just chatting about this. It was so interesting to talk to her just about like our different experiences with entrepreneurship. So I was like, I don't know anyone who started their own, like I do to a certain capacity, but like I, when I really thought about it, I wasn't like, that wasn't a very common experience that I had seen in like older generations and especially not for people mm-hmm. our age. And I think um obviously like we're all coming from like different, you know, age groups and backgrounds, but to me, it wasn't something that was, like, very common amongst my peers. Um, and Edass was like, well, i that's all I knew, like, with, like, older generations. Like, I... Not my peers, but definitely, like, my, da- my dad and everybody in my family friend circle. I was like, I didn't know anybody who wasn't a business mm. person. Right. I didn't meet a lot of people who had that entrepreneurial spirit. Like, especially, too, when I was entering college, um, it was just around the time that the recession had, like, kind of ended. Um, maybe like a couple of years after it ended, but, um, you know, a lot of no, no students that I knew were like going to go out there and be like, Hey, you know, like, I'm going to go out there and like start my own business. Like, this is what I want to do. Yeah. Most of the time it was very like templated or like, they were very much like, okay, medicine or like engineering. I've actually seen both. Oh yeah. Um, I think it's, and it's like two different communities
2: also. Like my community mm-hmm. is more like, you know, engineering, um, you know, medicine, then like Even the, other, the adults. Yeah, like our dads mm-hmm. and then like the sons and the daughters. Um <laughs> Do you like how I said adults? Like we're yeah. adults? We're <laughs> not we're not actually. Not I Michelle. would be offended if you called me one. <laughs> um I still sit in the basement at dinner parties, so
0: Yeah. That's a good indication. If you have to sit at the little kids' table, Yeah, you're still a kid. You're still a kid. I don't care how old you are.
2: Um, but there's like another community where I feel like the like the people i'm gonna i don't know what to say like kids our age or adults our age but anyway the people our age um are more like business savvy it's more part of their culture to like open up like a store or um a restaurant or things like that and i don't know if that's like muslim or just like you know community uh could be like you know both combined but even in my community where it's like more medicine and engineering there are like some people that um have started their own business, created their own apps, uh, things like that. But then I think it's always like, like, Oh, okay, that's cool. Like, I wonder where it's going to go. Like, that's the mentality of the community, but then they also are like pretty supportive of it at the same time.
3: You know, in terms of Muslims and entrepreneurship or starting their own businesses. Yeah. Um, I have a lot of uncles that were in like business. Um, and as always, i I was always, all business, they're struggling, and business is all about uncertainty, and business is all about, like, risk. And so I was, like, really encouraged not to go into business at all. Like, that would have been, like, a really bad thing for you because you're going to struggle. One of my uncles was a DJ. Um, He did really well um, as a DJ in New York City. Um, And now he, yeah, and now he, uh, for, like, the past, like, 10 years or so um, he has been doing a uh, wedding decor. Um, so setting up the stage and stuff like that. And he has like massive clientele in New Jersey. Um, one of my other uncles um, started off with like a meat shop and he went through a bunch of businesses. Now he does medical equipment in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Um, one of my other uncles started a 99 cent store in, in New York city. Um, started selling cars. And then now he does signs and banners for like corporations or like um, private clients like that want, I mean, anything from family reunion t-shirts to like putting up a huge sign on your store, like, um, or on your van or your company van or something, branding it. Um, So he does that. Um, And the funny thing is, like, I never paid attention to them at all. (laughs) Um, It's only now that I'm like, holy crap, they did all that without a college degree, in some cases without a high school diploma. And they're not just surviving, they're thriving. I mean, they're really, really thriving, mashallah. And uh, there were a bunch of struggles along the way, totally. And I've seen people who got into medicine and like got into it all that and then just made bad money moves and um, were in a really tough spot for a number of years. So it's, you know, nothing's guaranteed, yeah. you know? Um, but yeah.
1: I think like, you know, I'm going to bring brought up like the recession like, it's like, I think it's like a multifactorial thing. Like we always end up talking about the first generation experience. Part of it is like timing. Right. So like, you know, right after the recession, it's not really, um, it's not really conducive to a lot of risk taking and everybody has like all these student loans and like all, like there's just all this stuff going, going on. Right. That like, um, would, uh, make a parent skeptical or like you know uh, hesitant to like encourage you to do something that's even that's also risky um but at the same time there's also this like whole notion of like oh you know i gave up so much to come here and and i want and because like you know I, you know i gave up so much to come here like i want my kids to be the quote best of the best and what is best of the best mean like let's turn to society and see what they define as the best right so but i think like, it's
2: not just like It's not just like, what's the best, but I think our parents, especially like look for what's the most secure for us. Right, right, right. But there is
1: a. It is, it's definitely a lot of security and I, but I do see that it does have, it, there is like a little bit of a prestige component, right? So yeah, like, yeah, yeah, for sure. You're struggling until, and then like, and nobody really cares about you until you're, you've like done really well. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh my God, I'm so proud of you. Like you're so, like you're a big yeah. hotshot and it's like, you know, past like 10 years, you've been saying that like, this is a bad idea. Now you like it? Yeah. You know, you know, there is, there is, it's like, I think it's very multifactorial, but I think security is also like a huge component of it too.
3: Yeah. Early on for me, it was like, I have to prove I'm successful by making money. Right. And then it was like, I have to, you know, also remember I'm trying to provide value. And I had to really change my mindset to be like, it's not about the money, it's not about making money, but it is. It's like, you have to earn to pay your bills, right. um, and it's like that balance, but you have to like shift your perspective um and it only comes with time where you realize you know um it's not all about the money uh, yeah. you know you have to care about money, but um I think the uh, immigrant muslim population um our previous generation is very much like likes to put a dollar sign um you know to value things um or people
4: (laughs) sometimes
3: unfortunately
4: like
0: is what you're doing for yourself or are you doing it to kind of pass on would you hope would you like kind of hope that it's something that's continued or is it something that you're okay with just like you know okay this is fine like this is what I came here to do I did it done you know like I reaped the benefit that I could from it and like that's what I wanted from the start or is do you like Do you see it as something that you would like to, you know, I guess be carried on by like future generations?
2: Interesting question.
0: I've never thought of that, honestly.
3: I've thought of it in the sense of, you know, how will people benefit after, or how do people currently benefit from what I do, right? Um, And I've come to realize like all of that, it's not in my hand. You know, sometimes... I would sit and listen to a khutbah, right? And, like, during my time, like, over the years, and i just sit there and i listen. And I'd be like, God, this speaker's so annoying, like, so monotonous, and (laughs) blah, blah, blah. At at a certain point, I I caught myself being negative about this person in my mind. I'm like, wow, like, what a crappy khutbah. He didn't even address, like, the current affairs. Like, if, you know, with everything going on with Black Lives Matters right now, and George Floyd and all that, if I sat in my masjid and football was about like, you know, fasting, I'd be like, bro, we just like talked about Ramadan for all this and you're not going to really relate to the current and I'd get so annoyed. But I sat there and I'm like, this is shaitan, like, like really convincing me, like distracting me. And then I honed in on the message and I would just specifically listen to that message. So from that point on, I realized like, I get the value that I'm seeking and the speaker has no control over what i'm seeking you got know what i'm saying i guess i'm i'm going like really deep, deep here but we
1: love deep conversations here. i really
3: thought about this a lot and so then i took this over to um, like i'm a father i have two kids i have a wife we're a family and i do a lot of a lot for them like make breakfast i do the laundry i clean the house i pay the bill. i do all of it and i love doing it um, and, like, uh, I noticed I would do something, and if I didn't get, like, um, like, oh, thanks, that looks really nice, or you worked really hard today, I'd get, like, I'd notice that, and it would, like, stir up some feelings, in me, like, wow, I did all that, and yeah. we're not, like, talking about how awesome it was, or <laughs> we're focusing on something so negative and not, you know, weighing it with all the great stuff that I've done. Yeah. And that's when I realized the most, I mean, the, the thing that our parents tell us, right? You do things for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, like no matter what. So then you're not seeking, and that's what I'm talking about in terms of legacy. You're not leaving a legacy for anybody else to validate and talk about. Rather, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to decide what you're, you know, what that's going to look like if people are going to benefit from your stuff and you know recently reading the biography of Malcolm X uh, was just like propelled that idea in my mind like 10 times more like just shot it all the way down like because he was a person that was a victim of like so many injustices and to the point that he made these really bad decisions that ended up in him in prison then he followed the Nation of Islam and like at the end of his life like that one last year of his life he realized like oh i've been fooled and then he changed his life in that last like six seven months and he became practicing orthodox muslim and then he died and now he has that legacy not the legacy of when he broke into a home and like stole stuff and went to prison not the legacy of you know so it's like when we think about legacy um it's gotta be between you and allah that's literally it if you go anything beyond that you're gonna get confused about it
2: i understand what you're saying that you're doing it for the sake of allah but like my hope for book of muslim is that like it's benefits everyone in like their own different ways regardless of what your intention was for them to learn from like a certain lecture because you said like you can only get what you want to get out of a lecture like the speaker can't control that but like hopefully people are booking you know speakers through you that benefits them in like one any way or another and inshallah like in the future it's so beneficial that you continue to get those you know hasanat even you know later on because you started this for this purpose so i mean inshallah like you can even continue to spread dawah like you know 100 years from now who knows yeah
3: inshallah hopefully like somebody gets inspired to keep you know keep it going and yeah it's you can't control how people will take information or perceive it or uh, be yeah. influenced but mm-hmm. there are components of a good speech there are components of yeah. excellent business practice right and so those are the things you can yeah. control in addition to relying on allah SWT and like we're hoping for the best making dua of course you gotta like really strive to be excellent at what you do and so and every time yeah. you do like even when you bake a cake it's like being very intentional in the process of you baking the cake and like being mindful yeah. that like you're creating food
2: for someone and i get what you're saying like right now you're yeah. focusing on your intention but you can't focus on, like, somebody right. else's intention after you, after you're, like, right. retired or anything, you know?
1: Yeah. It's interesting. The way that you said it makes me think of, like, like addressing your ego, almost. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: I read, um, I think the book is called Divine Love. And I just, like, skimmed through it and I saw this, like, little piece, little tidbit. And it was, like, your value is not determined by your output or your impact or that's what people make you think. It's like, you know, what's your impact? Well, you know, how productive were you today? And yeah, like, you know yeah. what, you know, all these, you know, X, Y, Z, one, two, three. And then it said like you're valuable because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created you. Like, it's just as simple as that, you know, yeah. you were specifically yeah. created.
2: Yeah.
3: Um, so that, you know, that just that feels so good just to know that.
4: Yeah, that's a good
2: Speaking, like, to productivity and stuff um, and going back to, like, the legacy, I have never thought about that because, like, at this point, I'm just, like, doing it because it's fun. You know, I've never thought about, like, I need to take more orders so that I can make more money and, like, you know, expand or whatever. Um, I mean, like, at this point in time, I'm just doing it because it's fun, really.
3: I mean, you, you also have a yeah. full time job aside from,
2: yeah.
3: you know, there's also that dynamic. I also was at a point where in the beginning I was working full time, like really nice uh, place in Indiana. And I was like doing that and doing Book of Muslim at the same time. And then when I let like, go of that, it was all like it all weighed on this one, you know, company. Do you ever want to leave that and just only focus on baking? And- um.
2: Well, the thing is, like, I like that speech therapy is like secure okay so i get like you know i have a salary it's secure and then like opening a business like allah what will happen um inshallah we'll be successful but i think when i say also like when i said earlier that if i did open like a bakery it'll be so much work it might not be fun um i think part of that is also because i do have a full-time job so if i do have like a big order for a weekend like i get stressed because i'm working all day and then I go home and I work on like the desserts. Um, so it just creates more stress. So I feel like if it was one or the other, like it might change. And it, it could like, yeah, you know, be a different mindset because I only have to focus on one thing instead of both.
1: Because you, like you said, you started baking for fun. You never like got into it like with it. So some people I think get into business. I feel like Omar, you were more like this. You got into it knowing like, this is, this is what I want. I just need to make sure that I can like feed my family until this takes off and I don't need to do like eight jobs at once.
3: Yeah, partia- partially. I mean, like, because I was already working for the Bureau of Developmental Disability Services in Indiana, and it was a job that was really demanding. It paid well. And I was like, you know, I, being married at 21, I was still an yeah. undergrad, actually. Um, and so it was the first time I was like, oh, I have a salary. Like now I can like feel like a man, I'm, I'm paying my rent. Because before that, for three years, my wife paid. She was in grad school and had this internship that paid. So for the, the for those first three years of being married, I was like, who am I, what am I? Like, am I, I'm just worthless garbage. Um, but she helped me navigate and figure out what I want to do with my life. And then when I got my bachelor's degree, even for like three, four months, I was like still applying for jobs. I felt so useless. I applied to so many places. I Just like then everything hit at once. So I got the job and then we started the business and I was like, Oh, if I'm starting this business, I should have a business degree. So I started doing my uh, MBA full time and I was such a, not a smart thing to do because it was specifically for getting validation from people. Yeah. I have a marketing company, I have a business, I have a business degree
1: look at this piece of paper yeah. i'm qualified
3: yeah yeah right and i broke myself for this like i was working full-time and then we also had our first child um she's gonna be six next year uh but it's, so it's been five years in the making and it was like at this point i was working full time serena was born i was doing my mba from six to nine p.m wow. and then i was building a business like nine to like two a.m and it was like that for a year and a half until i was like okay I'm going to quit this job and then just do this now. Um, So you don't always, you don't always know.
0: Um, We hate this part of every episode because we always, we always like to end on this note where we want our guests to share one takeaway for our listeners. Like what's one thing that you want our listeners to glean from this conversation?
2: I think I would say like, I mean, I think we've talked a lot about just like, um, you know, believe in Allah. Um, so that's one thing. And then another is that, um, you know, no matter how ridiculous an idea sounds to like the people around you, um, I think it just takes like a few people or a couple people to believe in you and then things can, you know, explode from there. It's not always as complicated as it seems.
3: I would say like, if you're thinking about becoming an entrepreneur, like it's a buzzword, right? Entrepreneur is a buzzword right now. It's like the cool thing. It's like, oh, that person's an entrepreneur. They have a business. That's yeah. so cool. 20 years ago, it would have been like, oh, he's going to fail or <laughs> she's going to fail. Right now, it's like, oh, I wonder, you know, cool. Let's talk about it and whatnot. And um, my advice, like if you're probably listening, if you're listening to this episode, you're probably interested in entrepreneurship and you're like, you you might have started a business or um, you're thinking of starting a business or. You just like the idea of having that freedom that comes uh, with having your own business. And I'd say one thing that I was never taught in school is about networking. So, message people on Instagram um, um, and talk to people in person if you can, uh, when the circumstances allow, um, and really take time out specifically for brainstorming, like ideas and strategy. Um and one of the best things you can do with your life is create a schedule. Um I'm still trying to stick to mine, but
2: check things uh, off.
3: Yes, cross them off. It feels so good to
1: cross.
2: It feels off. so yeah. good. <laughs>
3: um
2: like last right now is
1: crossing off. No, I'm taking notes. <laughs> <guess>. <laughs> no, I'm taking notes. Yeah. I know, I know.
3: And there there's so many things that I started to like once i started doing the business uh end of things um there's all these tools out there like the internet just came about 20 years ago so the world is like really rapidly progressing so now or before you had to like hire a web designer there's like templates you know and there's like templates for contracts i'm like dang like if, if i just knew this uh and so those moments will happen don't beat yourself up you know for not knowing what you didn't know before um because it's it's just a process yeah. and um, you have to enjoy the process. Otherwise, you're not going to like what you do because it's because we we all always see in business o- entrepreneurship. We're like, look at the end goal. We're like house, freedom, vacation, uh, doing what I love. But like there's a whole process To getting to that point and there's a lot of failures and bumps along the way no doubt about it there's just no doubt about it so um, once you get that mindset in place then you'll much more enjoy that process and um, you'll endure through it and enjoy um, the time that you spend on that project or that company
2: yeah I think sometimes you just need to have an intention that's not related to money you know Mm -hmm. like my intention is to just you know
0: um, expand my skills. Um, I'm your intention, you know, I think what you mentioned is like spreading Dawa It's been a great conversation today. Um, lots of like great takeaways too, not just like our closing remarks here, but awesome. Yeah, thanks
3: so much for having me, and I'm so happy to have met you. And uh, you're in my network now, so that's really cool. And I'd love to, you know, keep up with you all and see what awesome things you do along the way.
1: Yeah, thank so. you. I'm honored um i will read surah asr and i'll let you guys go inshallah so,
0: salaam listeners you just listened to another enlightening conversation at cafe tanweer
1: we hope you gained some perspective and would love to hear your thoughts on today's discussion continue the conversation with us on instagram facebook and twitter our handles are cafe tanweer everywhere if you want to increase this community discussion, tell your friends and family about Café Tenweir. Our podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Google
0: Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. Let's grab coffee again soon.